A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next interview is with Eugene Berger. He's uh, considered to be Chicago's best magician by Chicago Magazine. Uh, it's an interview that I've, I've really, in truth, wanted to do for a long time. So it was a real thrill for me. He's a magician. He's a thinker. He's a writer. He's a philosopher. He's uh, a teacher. He is the dean uh, of the McBride's Magic and Mystery School in Las Vegas. And I had the opportunity and the pleasure to interview Jeff McBride recently as well. And, and uh, Eugene and Jeff work together very closely, teaching magic, teaching the art of magic to others. Ma Eugene takes magic very seriously. He talks about it being a way. He talks about... Why why he's suspicious of of structure and of well and of and of religion. He talks about um, wisdom and about building relationships through uh, through the magic that he does, through the magic that he creates, through 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 doing card tricks at corporate cocktail parties. And I think you're going to find this interview really fascinating. There's a lot of wisdom here. It's just really uh, I, I had a blast and a ton of insight as well. So uh, stay tuned, and you're going to learn. A heck of a lot. Uh, don't forget to check out uh, more interviews at davidpecklive.com. Please stay tuned for Eugene Bergen. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We are joined by a very special guest today, all the way from Chicago. Um, Eugene Berger is joining us here today. Eugene, thank you so much for your time today. Well, it's great to be here with you. So, Eugene, you are the Dean of the McBride's Magic and Mystery School in Las Vegas. You, I'm looking at your bio. You've just won so many awards as a magician. Uh, you're, you've been called Chicago's Best Magician by Chicago Magazine. Uh, uh, Burger's Magic is simply jaw-dropping, says LA Weekly. Uh, you've been doing this a long time. Yes, I became a professional magician in 1978. Uh, but at that point, of course, I was like 38 or 39 years old, so I didn't uh, start this right away. I had other jobs before I became a magician. <laughs> you had so you had other jobs. So so 
would you would you call you know I've I've certainly we we met many years ago I, I I've certainly uh, read uh, a lot of your writing on magic uh, you're you're a theoretician you're an academic you you studied comparative religion um, there's you've got to have theater in your background why why did you choose magic magic chose me oh nice yes uh, I was eight years old. In the second row of the balcony of the Oriental Theater in Chicago, watching a wonderful magician named Jack Gwynn. And a little voice in my head said, You're supposed to be a magician. I just saw it being called, you know. And it took me 30 years to answer the call, but eventually I got my courage up and did. So you say it took you 30 years. I mean, was it really, Eugene, was it really a fear thing for you then? Or was it more of a more of a practical... Um, well, I think, I think fear is always part of it. I think, you know, the big issue in life is uh, conquering fear with courage. Con- conquering fear with courage. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, we're all afraid of things. And uh, that's one way that parents and people who love us try to keep us on the right path. You know, what would they say? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, there's a, there's almost a, uh, it's kind of like you, you must have had people. I remember when I left my job uh, after 18 years to go and study philosophy, get my master's degree, and it sort of took me down a new path. There were, there were, there were people around me who thought I was completely nuts. That, yeah, that I was. Same with me. Oh, sure. I, I can imagine. I mean, did, but did, <laughs> did, did, did you have a community of support though, that you were able to recharge? Yes, with? I did. Yeah. Yes. I, I was living now with uh, three friends and they kept saying, you know, you should just quit your job and be a magician. That's what you love. And I was thinking too much LSD for you people. You know, this was back in the seventies. Uh, and, uh, then one day I did it. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it was, and it was scary for the first few months because uh, I, I, at that time I was director of welfare in Evanston, Illinois, the suburb north of Chicago. And I just had these fantasies about, uh, uh, you know, there are two, let me just back up, there are two ways to become a, a magician. One is you have so much magical work, you have to just quit your real job mm. and do it. Mm. Mm-hmm. And the other way is you don't have any real work as a magician, and that's where I was. So I did it the dumb way. <laughs> After I, my job, I was kind of like, now what do I do? And of course, I had these fantasies of, I'm going to end up on welfare. I can just see the headline, welfare director on welfare. Right. <laughs> but then I thought, yeah, but you know, I know how to fill out the forms. <laughs> <laughs> so you took a very practical I approach. So I, so I wasn't that frightened. And then I just, uh, you know, three or four months into this, I, I ran in. I was at a party, and uh, a guy I knew and I started talking, and I told him what I wanted to do, and he said, uh, wow, you know, I'm going to be the manager of a new restaurant opening up on Oak Street in Chicago, which is the second-best commercial street in the city after Michigan Avenue. <laughs> and uh, he said, you'd be great. Let me introduce you to the owner. Mm. And so he did, and I ended up getting a job, and suddenly I was a magician. <laughs> it's I I love these stories. What what 
can you look back? I mean, obviously, you know, you look back, you, you have a better idea, uh, you understand in a way now that you didn't then at the time and so on. Are there some dots that are now connected for you that at the time just seemed like, like you know, how, how do you take that plunge? You know, you say it took you 30 years to realize your calling. I'm always fascinated by that. Where did that courage come from? Clearly, you had a few people around you that supported you. So relationships, the community, amazing. But there must have been something else. Well, I don't know if there was. Huh. There was there was this desire. Yes. You know, uh, that I really wanted to do this. And, and you know, sometimes, you know, we're very good at repressing our our, our hopes and dreams. Mm. And uh, but you know, I had studied a lot of philosophy too and, and these religions and you know they give you kind of an insight into uh, it's your life that we're talking about right. now. And what right. do you want it to be? And uh, gosh, I, I, I can't tell you what a wonderful choice it was mm -hmm. for me to do this. I mean, it changed my life in such a wonderful way. But again, it's about conquering fear with courage. Yeah. You know, the, the rough part. It, exactly. Well, I mean, I, I, you know, you read some, I mean, if, if we both, you know, headed to the local bookstores, you, you in Chicago, me in Toronto, we'd find a lot of the same books about, you know, actualization and self-awareness and, and motivation and so on. And, and how many of them would be talking about fear in, 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 in a variety of different ways and, and how yeah. it's, how it's a block and how it just gets in the way of kind of pretty much everything really, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, I don't read books like that. <laughs> what kind of books do you read, Eugene? Uh, well, when I was uh, in <laughs> when I was in divinity school at Yale, I read magic books. <laughs> now that I'm a magician, I read books on New Testament history. <laughs> wow, that's and that sort of thing. and that yeah. sort of thing. Interesting. The roles have been kind of reversed. <laughs> exactly. So after all these years as a magician, uh, fooling people, um, you know, dabbling in this, this world of wonder, and I definitely want to talk about the connections between sort of religion and mystery and, and, and science and, and philosophy, frankly, all philosophy begins in wonder, as we, you know, as we know. And um, what, um, before I ask you what you've learned about people, would you call yourself today more of a storyteller than a magician? No, I think I'm a magician who tells stories. Right. Some stories, I mean, all of my work isn't story-based. Some of it is. And probably some of the strongest things I do are story-based. But some of my also strong pieces of magic are not story-based at all. I think the show, you know, of all stories would be kind of tedious. Mm. Too much salt in the stew. Right. As Alan Watts said, you know, too much voltage in the wires. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Are you, so I think a good show has texture. Right. When you, when you, um, I don't know, I mean, I'm sure you've, you've got so many different uh, experiences of, you know, working in the theater, working in a restaurant, performing on the street, parties, and so on. 
what are, what are you hoping that I'm taking away? I, I bumped into you at a cocktail reception. I find out that you're a magician and you show me two or three things. What, what am I walking away with? What are you hoping I'm walking away with? Oh, that's a really good question. Uh, I don't always look at it that way. Okay. Um, yeah, that's an interesting question, but I, I don't always look at it that way. Uh, I want you, first of all, I want you to be entertained. Right. I think that that's my primary job. Uh, I want you to respect me as a magician. Hmm. I want you to respect magic as an art. And uh, maybe in when I perform in the theater, you know, you have a different set of options now. I, I suppose in those kinds of settings, unlike cocktail parties, I, see, I think one of the things about magic is that it reminds us that uh, we're living in the middle of a capital M mystery. Mm, nice. And we don't even know it. Right. And we don't even sense it. We're completely oblivious to this as we go about passing the salt and, you know, eating our French fries. <laughs> no, it's... So, so basically, um, what you're saying, I think, is that a lot of us are, are kind of missing the moment. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, you know, I, I think magic as an art form uh, reminds us of things that living as we do in highly technological societies, that we're a complete danger of forgetting. Mm. You know, uh, uh, example, uh, magic says life is full of surprises. Mm. The hat was empty and now there's a rabbit in it. Right. <laughs> uh, but then, you know, but this is, this comes to me both as a gift and a judgment. It's a gift if I wake up to the fact that my life could be full of surprises. And it's a judgment in the sense that is my life just caught in ruts? Mm. Am I completely oblivious to surprise? Uh, in the same way, magic teaches us that uh, what we think is impossible may not be impossible at all. Mm -hmm. And that the words have hypnotized us as it were. But I think the biggest message of magic uh, is that um, this is a big mystery. The world, the universe, all of it. You know, uh, I, I think the basic philosophical question really is, why is there something and not mm. nothing? Why is there anything at all? It's a great question. I think that's the big question. And, uh, and magic kind of uh, knocks on that door, <laughs> as it were. But, you know, a mystery is the problem. Uh, there was a great uh, uh, French uh, Roman Catholic philosopher in the first half of the 20th century, Gabriel Marcel, who, mm -hmm. who distinguished between mysteries and problems. Mm -hmm. uh, a problem can be solved. A mystery can't be solved. And that's why what we call a mystery novel is really a problem novel. Right. Because there's a solution. 
a mystery can only be experienced, according to Marcel. Mm. And in the very experiencing of the fact that what's going on here in this universe, it changes me, it transforms me. I become a different person, maybe more sensitive, maybe more awake, maybe more alert. It's, it's, you know, what I, what I love about all that you're saying, Eugene, I mean, it just sounds so, um, simple and yet so profound and so deeply relational and whoever thought that, you know, the art of magic, the craft of magic, doing card tricks and coin tricks and and this, this form of entertainment could have, um, can I say that kind of metaphorical value? Is that, is that fair? Absolutely fair. Yes. At least that's the way I look at it. So, so, so in a sense, you're almost hoping that three days after, you know, performing for me at that cocktail reception, that, that I'm going to be talking to my kids or to my wife and I'm going to reflect back and it's going to remind me of something else and something other. Yes. 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 I think that's fair. Yeah. And, uh, in that very awareness, there is transformation. Hmm. So how do you get away from this idea? And I've certainly experienced it as a magician. I have one friend in particular who makes me crazy because all he seems to want to know is how to do the effect, how to do the trick. What's the secret? So, so like Marceau, he hasn't figured out, or unlike Marceau, he hasn't come to terms with this, the difference between a mystery and a problem. Everything for him is a problem to be solved, it seems. Right. Well, you know, sometimes, uh, particularly with family and friends who are, as you know, the most difficult audiences for magic in the world. Right. Because they true. think they have the right to interrupt us. That's right. That's right. <laughs> whereas whereas uh, a non, you know, a stranger will be much better audience always. But sometimes with my family and friends, uh, I kind of tell them how I want them to behave. I, I do mm. a little speech that goes something like... Uh, you know, there are different ways of watching a magic show. One way is to try to figure it all out. Being put, Putting yourself in an analytic frame of mind and just trying to figure out what's going on. And that's kind of interesting, but there's another way to look at magic and to experience it. And that's the way a child might experience something wondrous. Now, as a performer, I'd rather have you in the second state of mind. Mm. Of course, on the way home, you can go back to the first state of mind and try to figure it out, not adding the fact that uh, I won't be around them to listen to all of it. Right. But that's part of it, too. Uh, yeah, I think uh, you know we're trained to be analytical. Yeah. And I want you to put your analytic mind on vacation for at least five minutes. And it's fascinating how many people have trouble doing that. Yeah, it, it, it is. You know, I want you to come back to your analytic mind because you have to count your change and sign contracts and do all these things. And drive your but, car, yeah. And drive your car, exactly. Yeah. But wouldn't it be nice if for five minutes you could just become tuned into the wonder of what's going on here. Well, Eugene, you can't, it, I mean, <laughs> you, you kind of wonder to some degree if, if, I mean, I, I wonder if some of us are really poor at doing relationships, you know, uh, as parent. like I was going to ask you the question, uh, 
being more aware of the moment, being more aware of the mystery and the wonder and the uncertainty of it all, isn't that going to make me, at the risk of sounding really corny here, isn't that going to make me a better person? Well, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I was hoping for an emphatic yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but, you know, see, my thing is that uh, having hung around these religious people for so long, uh, I don't want to do sermons. Right. That's not my job, uh, because I, I, I don't think that sermons necessarily work. You know, telling God things that he already knows and telling people how to behave. Right, right, right. Uh, I, I'm not sure that that's the, the, the path. And I, and I don't really have an agenda for you. Mm. I have an mm. agenda for me, mm-hmm. but uh, I want to give you freedom. It's nice. Uh, and that's why if you want to stay analytic, that's okay, too. I love the I phrase. I you didn't, but uh, I'll, I'll buy into it if that's, your, if that's the only trip you can go on. Right, right. No, I'm, that's, not here to, I'm not here to sermonize you into a more wondrous trip. See? Well, I love the openness to that. Uh, it's 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 It seems to almost have a lack of structure that's... that's um, um, wisely kind of in tune with, you know, your context, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, sure. Sure it does. Well, I love the phrase, I don't really have an agenda for you. It'd be a great title for a book, by the way, I think. <laughs> yeah, because there are so many books that do have agendas for us. Well, this idea of being okay with things that are uncertain, and this is sweet coming from me, a guy who studied philosophy and who grew up in a very you know, uh, religious and Christian home and, you know, sort of grew up around people who have had the answers and have studied with people who, you know, claim to have the answers. And yet I think part of the reason why I, I feel like I'm continue, continue to seek, I continue to search is because there's a huge part of me that's not comfortable with anyone who claims to have the answer. I, I think I'm kind of suspicious of that. Yes, I am too. Hmm. Right. Um, yeah. How do you, how do you how do you, how how what what's the connection from your 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 philosophy you know your divinity days at Yale your comparative religion I mean you know you have to you know it's not too hard I suppose to see the historical links and the connecting points but can you talk a little bit more about that in in, in connection to your love of magic and performing for others Well, first of all, I I was in the divinity school. Not because I wanted a religion for myself. I was in the divinity school because I found religion as a as an area of life utterly fascinating. Hmm. Why do we even have religion? Hmm. Hmm. I mean, they're all preaching love and kindness and all practicing hate and division. Hmm. You know, and as you become more religious, as the fundamentalists of all sorts think they are, they become even more intolerant, Mm -hmm. more unloving. They love only their own group. And so I found religions a fascinating area of life. But again, it wasn't that I I was raised a Lutheran, you know, and uh, I spent a year in the Lutheran seminary and realized that was not the place for me. I, I wanted to go. That's why I went. Ended up going to Yale because there we were studying religion. We weren't 
starting every class with prayer. Right. As we did at the Lutheran Seminary. So a little bit more about uh, about openness versus uh, sort of inclu- inclusion versus exclusion. Well, that's the issue, isn't it? Mm. Uh, that uh, religion, you know, has many virtues, but it also has a lot of vices. And uh, it's a toss-up. Maybe it depends on the day, which is more predominant. Right, right. Month, you know, this month, uh, virtues seem to be up there and... Last month, gosh, it was all vices. Um, yeah. Would you would you would you yeah, say, would, mean, would you say being a magician though? I've heard you refer to magic as a way of life, and I mean clearly it's been such an integral part of of your world and your life and your 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 relationships and so on. Um, there's something kind of there's a spiritual practice to that almost. Yes, I think there is. Okay. Uh, um, you know, Tenkai, the great uh, Japanese magician of the 20th century, said, uh, magic is not tricks, it is a way. Mm. And it is a way, because looking when you look at the effects of magic, that what is seemed to be impossible now looks like it is possible. That's about opening yourself up, isn't it? Mm-hmm opening yourself up to seeing what's there and not just beginning with your conclusions and stopping with uh, your own presuppositions. Eugene, you know, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by where we're heading, uh, you know, uh, with this, you know, secret, I mean, magic seems to be dependent on this mystery, this, uh, you know, this, this world of secrets, I guess you could say. Um, and we need to talk about, I suppose, what that actually means. But in this world, as we move into, you know, internet and, and um, you know, the ability to speak to your computer and so on, are we getting more and more away from that? Are we getting to a point where one day it, all of this is just going to become common knowledge and therefore the idea of actually entertaining, surprising, fooling someone to, to into this sort of mysterious um, place or ethos, do you think it... it, it Will it continue to be possible, or are we someday not going to be able to take a coin and vanish it and have somebody say, ah, isn't that wonderful? Oh, no, I think, <clears throat> I think that um, it will always be wonderful. Mm. I think what, what we're experiencing now in uh, magic is uh, the, the, the beginnings of a wholly new kind of theatrical magic, mm. uh, and that is magic that can only be done on a screen. Uh, see, I, as a performer, I perform in real time for real people in real situations. I, if I just performed on the screen, there are all kinds of things I could do right. that I can't do. And yet, to perform on a screen nowadays, we understand that anything can be on that screen. Right. Special effects are just beyond our comprehension. Yet when I make that coin disappear in real time across the table from you, that's a totally different experience, isn't it? Mm. Now, to me, the secret isn't how I manipulate that coin. The secrets of magic to me are much less the methods of magic and much more about the presentation of magic. Mm. Mm -hmm. If I can... can, uh, you know, cast a spell 
I can enchant you. This is these are the real secrets of magic, right. not what is your finger doing with the deck of cards. I think the the methods of magic are the tools of magic, but they're not the real secrets. So in that sense, uh, shows uh, on TV where they all seem to be about the methods, you know, they're they're kind of weird because that's not what magic is really about. Magic is about casting a spell. Mm, nice. See? Well, casting a spell, creating a moment, um, how about building a relationship? Yes, exactly. And I, 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 and I think, you know, as a close-up magician, most of my performing work uh, for most of my career was corporate cocktail parties. Okay. And at the end of the night, you know, when I'd go home, my, my question to myself was, what was the quality of relationship that I was able to establish with these strangers wow. in five minutes? What a great, wow. <laughs> I don't think I've met a more thoughtful close-up performer. That's remarkable. And, and, and Well, but that's the, that was the question, though. Isn't yeah. It? I mean, really? Amazing. Um, you know, I mean, it's about establishing a relationship with strangers in a short period of time. People that, well, I'll never maybe see again. Mm -hmm. And yet, if I can if I can leave the U.S., you know, what do I want them to think? Maybe what I want them to think at the end is, gosh, she'd be fun to have over for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right. Well, especially because, you know, you're, you're, you've been spending your days filling... You've been spending your days filling out welfare applications, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the that, that's the real compliment. Let's have him over for dinner. <laughs> well, and he's pretty interesting. You, Eugene, what and what what were some of the conclusions that you came to? I mean, did did you did you feel? I mean, corporate cocktail parties. I can't think of things that are probably, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's lots of things, but, but you know, there's a certain insincerity probably to that. There's a, not, not from your part, I mean, but there's a certain lack of authenticity. It's about getting contacts. Sure. It's about selling. It's sure. about drinking the free booze, you know? Um, yeah. what did you kind of take away from that, those experiences? What do you mean? Well, so you come home, you reflect on these relationships, you know, what, what, what was the quality of the relationship that I built with these people that I'm never going to see again? Um, what, I mean, is it just tell you about how to not perform at the next performance or does it actually give you some insight into, you know, um, well, but, but, that, but knowing what not to do is insight. Mm, mm, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's the negative way. Sure. Uh, as opposed to trying to always accumulate something positive. Um, no, I think that was part of what I learned. That uh, when you ask someone a question in the course of a magic trick, and don't listen to their answer, but just keep on with your own chatter, then you begin to understand that that's an obstacle to relationship. It's good. Oh, that's if so you want a relationship, you have to listen, really listen. And maybe listen deeply, and just chattering on what what magicians used to call patter, what I call scripting. You know, mm -hmm. uh, if I just if I'm only there, I'm never going to have a, a real relationship. A real relationship only comes when I listen, and then respond to what I've heard. 
Now, at the same time, most of my material is highly scripted. Mm -hmm. But because it's scripted, I can step away from the script and then get back to it. Right. Nice. See, I think the the value of having a script in magic uh, or in life uh, uh, is... um, that you can that you can get get away from it and come back to it. I, I do a lot of work. Uh, one of my students is a doctor who teaches at Northwestern hmm. in Chicago, and um, he teaches a class called uh, Medicine and Magic, hmm. where we talk. And I, whenever I'm in town, I go to his class and I talk to them sometimes and so on. But you know, it's what can doctors learn from magicians? Well, one of the things I think they can learn is scripting mm. and being able to step away from your script and listen. <laughs> yes, I've, 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 I've had a few doctors over the last few years as a result of a few health issues, and I would, mm. I would have to agree. So, I mean, yeah. I mean in a sense, we're, we're back to, well, not in a sense, we are back to this idea of of inclusion and building a better relationship. I, I think it's fascinating, Eugene, that that you would care that much, actually, to be in a setting like that, to say, I've been hired to do some card tricks and coin tricks and et cetera, and wow people, you know, the kinds of things that Asians might say, and yet you're actually, you're looking outside of yourself to say, how can I actually connect with this person? How can I, I mean, the idea of a close-up performer listening, I think is a remarkable idea. Well, see, maybe it's that I read too much Krishnamurti when I was too young. <laughs> too, too much who? Krishnamurti. Um, yeah, I'm not... Oh, you, oh, you, oh, you should. Oh, okay. Get a, get a book by J. Krishnamurti. Okay. Uh, one of his points is that uh, we learn about ourselves through relationships. Mm-hmm. Not only relationships with people, but relationships with animals, relationships with plants with the world and when we look at our relationships that's when we learn about who we are Hmm. and who we might want to be and I think that's and that I just carried that over into magic yeah Uh, well honestly uh, I I think I can safely say I don't know if I know I mean I have not been in that sort of world for many years now but I don't know many close-up performers that I used to work with who were that concerned about their audience well, yeah, uh, I can understand that too. It's a job, right? It's and a job. I, I got to go in. I got to do my thing. I've got a break at yeah, three yeah, fifteen, and yeah. I'm done by four thirty. Isn't it wonderful? I can get the heck out of here, you know? Right. But again, I don't have an agenda to change them. That's right. Yeah, which is so. Uh, you know, great. my attitude is, you know, we sing our songs. You, you know, the Bhagavad Gita has this great point: the wise person releases the fruits of action. Hmm. By that they mean smart people don't get caught up in results. Right. I, I sing so my thought, and if you get it, you get it, and if you don't, you don't. Yes. Maybe it's not time for you to get it yet. Right. But what's important is that I'm singing the song that I feel I must sing. Hmm. And what you do is what you do. And that's why I, you know, that's why I'm suspicious of religions now, because they seem to want to. They are concerned with results, particularly mm-hmm. the the book religions that that want to convert people. Right. You know, um, pretty dangerous stuff, I think. 
trying to convert people. And then we look at the lives of some of these people who want to convert us, and we realize that their private lives are shambles. Right. And completely false. And we see that endlessly on television news, don't we? Well, yeah. It's just... religious people who are in weird worlds of their own. So, you know, I think, you know, I think the Bhagavad Gita is pretty smart. Uh, wise people release the results of action. Just sing your song and see what happens. Or, and, and mostly see what happens to you. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, this oh, absolute... That's right. This absolutely. There's a there's a there's a circle around this experience. Yes, yes, I think there is. There's a there's an embrace of sorts. I love the holistic uh, sense that I'm getting, and and I'm we really we're going to have to wrap it up here in a couple of minutes. But we really didn't talk about that sort of that healing and transformative edge. But I think I could go back and listen to our interview, and, and see the thread. There, there is a sense to your magic, isn't there? That that's been healing for you. I mean, it's. I mean, oh, yeah. you talked about how oh, it's yeah. changed your life. I mean, if you're driving home thinking about how you impacted these people that you did magic for for five minutes, there's there's a there's an edge to what you're doing that that I think really matters. Well, I hope so. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> We're. The, the transformational side is is deeply relational it seems to me and i and i just think that's that's marvelous where you can you can you can go from from philosophy and theology and divinity and and, and the study of history and religion you know you can sort of reductionism of the worst kind let's reduce it to a card trick but it's really so much more the card trick like you say the me- it's just it's a tool it's a tool for connecting with others it's a metaphor. Yeah, yeah. Much bigger. Much, uh, much bigger. But I think, you know, most things are metaphors, really. Mm. If you look at it, some of them are good and some of them point us in bad directions, but, uh, you know, things uh, are not always what they seem, are they? They sure aren't. <laughs> and maybe that's the maybe way... That, that's the heart of magic, I suppose. That things aren't always the way they seem. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that if I want to be a success, I have to be alert and awake. And 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 okay with that uncertainty from time to time. Oh yes. Oh yes. And that's why, that's why fear has to be conquered with courage. Mm. Going back to where we started. Nice full circle. <laughs> <laughs> Eugene, thank you well, so nice to talk with you. so much for your time today. Uh, Eugene Berger called uh, Chicago's best magician. Uh, Berger's magic is simply jaw-dropping, as I said earlier, the LA Weekly. Uh, Are you working anywhere currently that people can come and see you? Uh, I'm doing a lot of consulting right now. A lot of consulting, good for you. Right now uh, with a student who's putting up a theater show. And I do a lot of work with Jeff McBride at the Magic School. I still perform uh, mostly corporate cocktail parties. (laughs) Good for you. Well, please continue to reflect on this. Uh, Thank you so much for your time today, Uh, Eugene. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Great talking with you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.